Coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, we've got our second Socceroos reaction. And boy, oh boy, what a reaction podcast it is because the Socceroos have broken their 12-year drought. They defeated Tunisia last night in their second game of Group D at this FIFA World Cup. Mitch Duke with the winner. Who else but him? It just had to be Harry Suter with the game of his life. Aaron Moy, superb. Matt Ryan, terrific as well. Oh, it's just... Still can't get over it, to be honest. Um, Australia really reigniting um, the country uh, from a footballing sense with that win last night. But uh, I'll be joined by Antonis Pagonis and Matt Olsen. We broke it down, I guess, from a footballing sense, but then also off the field, the scenes in Federation Square last night and, and what this means for uh, the game in this country because still with work to do against Denmark to get through in this uh, in this World Cup to the knockout stage, the Socceroos, but still such a moment, such a precious moment against Tunisia that uh, I think we're all going to hold very close to our hearts. But without further ado, I'm your host, Christian Marchetti. Our Socceroos Tunisia reaction pod is going to start right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, another Socceroos Reaction Podcast, and you can probably hear it slightly in my voice. Um, I'm I'm not in the best way um, in terms of my vocal cords at the moment after <laughs> after the Socceroos pulled off a one 0 win against Tunisia last night. I just I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> still, to be honest, uh, what what a win, Mitch Duke with the winner, and uh, I mean we've just got so much to talk about from from that game. I'm joined by Antonis Pagonis and Matt Olsen. Antonis, first of all, your immediate thoughts after that victory. My immediate thoughts is Anthony Albanese, if you don't give us a public holiday on Thursday, there is something seriously wrong with this country. <laughs> all right. And uh, yeah, you can probably hear it when I laugh. So just, just letting everyone know that if it comes out really weirdly, then uh, yeah, at halftime of the game, obviously after the Duke moment, like I was just like, I, I think... Um, I don't know how we're going to do this podcast tomorrow. I'm going to have to do it, you know, Joey Lynch style uh, on the on the TNC pod, where um after the uh, after the Australia Cup final, where where it's just going to come out with with me with a just really fucked up voice. But um, it's yeah. a dehydrated SpongeBob moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Matt, uh, give your give your brief summary of of what unfolded. Yeah, um, I'll just do what I was doing, make it. Uh, give it a bit of a historical context. Also, sorry, I coughed during your intro. That was uh, that was really yeah, you did. Awkward. I did hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt is also no, struggling um, with his voice. Uh, well, yeah, of course I am. I'm in party mode. Um, our first clean sheet since our game against Chile in 1974. Um, if that doesn't sum up what this means, I, I don't really know what else does. Um, just huge, huge, and the fact that we're actually we've turned it on um, in the, in this tournament, and you couldn't ask for any more. So. Yeah, lots to dissect. Yeah, so I, I, I like to stay with that point, I guess, because it's it's the first clean sheet. It's a clean sheet and a win. And it's possibly like, look, the, the Serbia win in 2010 was was important because I guess there was still there was still a chance potentially to, to kind of get out, but not really. Uh, I thought because really maybe the Socceroos blew it 
a little bit against Ghana at that World Cup, you could say. But I think that this is the first like genuine win of holy shit, we can get out of the group since since probably 2006. So, um, you know, looking at it from that point of view, is just that's that's what's you know the reason for for the for the unreal kind of reaction to to the result, in, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I mean, if you cast your mind back to 2010, the game against Germany was so demoralizing. Mm. And I don't think the France game, by comparison to us playing a pot one team, I don't think it's had that same effect uh, because it was a game that we actually led. And when it comes down to to the goal difference, the goal difference is out of play because Denmark didn't beat Tunisia and because the, the points and, and everything else. So the fact that we just need to hang on for a draw, yeah, it's our best our best. Uh, looking at the round of 16 since 2006. And we are saying this about Graham Arnold's Australia. We're saying this about a team that, no, they're, they're not going to beat Peru. It's ridiculous. Mm. So, um, and that was four months ago. Four months ago, this team didn't have a sniff at the World Cup. And now we're talking about them with a very realistic chance at the round of 16. And dare I say it, because of the very weird dynamics going on in Group C, uh, more than mm-hmm. favourable draw at the Fucking World someone, Cup quarterfinals. Someone mentioned that to me last night, and I was like, "Just don't, please, don't, don't do that to me." <laughs> you, you, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not manifesting it. I'm just saying that this oh, is yeah. the, we've reached uncharted territory, and you've just got to commend it from every angle. I wonder if if we finish second and, and Poland win that group, um, what's what's the deal for Ian Pulzinski? Um, because look, look, that's that's, that's going to be a honestly, real struggle for him. My thoughts with Ian. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the good old half half. <laughs> well, he'll, he'll probably buy a half and half scuff. Let's be honest. If it's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, round of sixteen would. game, he probably would. Okay, we're, we're we're talking shit, and he's not even here, so that's pretty hard. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the game itself. I mean, Australia in that first half probably were able to. I mean, it was different to the first twenty-five minutes against France, but there were elements of it. Um, probably done a lot better and done for a whole half in in that first half, in my opinion. I think Australia, although we saw the teams and there was only the one change um, with, with Kratic coming in for Atkinson, and I think everyone was a little bit underwhelmed by that before the game. But then, I don't know, it was just like Arnie, Arnie trusts his guys, I guess, and and they, they repaid the faith because one man who certainly did was Miss Duke, who was just absolutely fucking incredible in that game i mean and i you know i for one need to you know you talk about having egg on your face i've got so many eggs on my face um from from this tournament so far in the socceroos because you know i said that i i had no idea why mitch duke was starting for the socceroos and this that, and the other but i think you can't underestimate when a player and a manager have such a trust between each other like these two clearly do it, it does mean that he's going to go out there and he's going to absolutely give his all, not because he obviously loves the country and wants to do well for the country, but I think he wants to do well for Arnie as well. And the way he harassed up front in that first half and he went for everything and then such a brilliant finish for the goal. I mean, the goal we can talk about in a second was just fantastic uh, from back to front, but he he really led the line uh, for me superbly. Um, And then you've got, I think really the spine of the team, actually, when I think about it, was so important for the Socceroos in that game. Matty Ryan was commanding in goal. I mean, a lot of actual, particularly second half, tough crosses that he had to claim, which he did very well. Uh, Harry Suter, I mean, just no words. Uh, He's just absolutely phenomenal in that game. Uh, Aaron Moy, superb. Um, You know, and more, we actually saw a side of Aaron Moy, which I don't think we normally see, which is this real combative side where he was just literally launching himself into everything. 
uh, and then as I mentioned with Duke up front. So, I mean, let I guess we'll just start by talking about some of the players and some of the heroes from from the game because uh, that those that spine for me definitely stood out. Yeah, with Duke, you could really that header shows why he's in that team. We talked about in the last podcast um, about playing a forward. You're going to play to their strengths. With the way we're playing, I think I saw um, Evan from the ABC mention on Twitter <laughs> yesterday that this Socceroos team has more crosses than the Vatican gift store. So <laughs> if you're going to be crossing the ball like that, Mitchell Duke has that quality to put the header in like that. And what a header. Mm. But one part of that goal that's not typical Miss Duke was that first touch in the build-up mm-hmm. to that goal. Wow. That's yeah. where we have egg on our face. It's not the header because you expect that from him. But that first even the header, that, but, but Antonis, even the header, I mean, that ball is, it's taking oh, a deflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's behind him and he has to kind of redirect and then move the pace. I mean, it's very, it's very... It's an brilliant. unreal yeah. header. It's an unreal header, but I'm saying it's something we expect of him. That, yeah, okay, yeah, this is why yeah. he's in there. But that first touch... I think if you told someone before the game, oh, we're going to score a beautiful goal with a great Mitch Duke touch in the lead up, you're like, oh, what? Yeah. So just for that, it's fantastic. It, it set, set the goal up really well as yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could see like, um, who we play? <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, the no-sleep Tunisian. The Tunisians showed some respect to him because they were battering him throughout the game. You know, they were giving mm. him the Leo Messi treatment. Mm. Mm. So just when you see how the opposition treats your player, you could see how they feel about him. And I just thought, like, they paid him a lot of respect. And he was superb. Yeah, well, one thing one thing Harry Kuehl said um, on commentary, and I, I can't believe Harry... Wait, sorry, Harry Kuehl was commentating? He wasn't supporting? <laughs> well, yeah, okay. He was very much uh, Craig Foster 2005-esque. But, and I was just going to make that observation. It's actually quite incredible that Harry Kuehl's in this position, working for mm-hmm. the SBS, and um, Fahid Ben Kalfalara as well. Um, it's very nice seeing him back. But... Um, uh, one, one thing that he said about, about Duke's ability was just the pure athleticism of it. Only Mitch Duke could actually pull that off to leap up like he did, get the mm. get the flick on it and just get that 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 accuracy where he was able to slot it bottom corner and, and do enough to get past the keeper. But but um Christian, um the one thing that I just want to say about about the players that were on the on the pitch is that other than when Kyrolls falconed himself um yeah. and Suda had to make that incredible tackle um in the 85th minute. The the back four were heroic and uh, one one player that's really having an incredible tournament and one player that's really stood up, in my opinion, be- especially because of how well he played against France, is um, Aziz Page. I think um, he's really hit form at the right time. Really? Um, in, you, in you, you thought, kit. Yeah. 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 I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't really think Page was, was, was that good against France, personally. But I, I thought more to the point, I think actually Karacic and Page defended really well. I, I definitely agree they with did, you on yeah. that. <laughs> I thought both did lack in possession though and I think maybe that was mm. probably uh, a case of Australia in the second half playing a bit more of a you know very regressive and defensive style uh, to hold out so it probably doesn't help as a fullback when you get on the ball and you're pressed and, and you don't really have anything ahead of you so you know I, I, I sympathize with that um, what I would say actually you just touched on it there with the Kai Rolls moment um, obviously with the with the Falcon and then and Suter mopping up what is so like just unbelievable about Suter though and you know any I don't want to say this as if to as if to you know bring him down or anything, but it is easier it is easier for a centre back to stand out in in a one 0 win like that, right? But the thing about Suter is he's six foot four, six foot five, I want to say off the top of my head, and the way he covers ground for a guy of his size is actually 
really incredible. Uh, yeah. And and that's what he did for for that that tackle there, um, which is was one of the moments of the game. So um, yeah, and I think Rolls as well. I mean, look, he had that moment, but he he kind of you know it could have been very easy for Arnie to to drop him because he was you know yeah. um, was one of the liabilities against France and has not got as much experience at this level. But he trusted him, so you know you got you got to give him props for that. He could he could very well become a mainstay in our in our defense for many years to come mm-hmm. with the way with the way that he's playing the way that he played against Peru the way that he's sort of uh, you know been able to be utilized at, at centre back throughout. Well, you know that that's one thing you know um, that's one thing I don't have egg on my face about because I actually said that would be our best centre back partnership if they started yeah. together. And you did, I did, I did, and I said I think Antonis made a good point though. I mean they're both coming off injuries; it's a risk to play them together, and I agree. But I think long term, mm-hmm. when you've got Suter's, although I didn't, I underestimated Suter's ability on the ball, which we're seeing at this tournament as well. I mean, he's he's actually created both goals uh, mm-hmm. as well that they come from these long penetrative passes from from Harry Suter. But um, with with roles being this kind of more composed centre back next to Suter, who's more aggressive and and he's got the physicality, I, I think it's just a partnership which which works really well. So mm-hmm. yeah. And you talk, Matt talked about. Um... Kai Rolls potentially being a mainstay for the Socceroos for years to come. I'll tell you someone who's not going to be a mainstay for their side for years to come because Harry Suter cannot stay at Stoke in the long oh. term. Seriously, no. like we see players get big moves after World Cups. This guy surely has a move in him. He's coming off an ACL, you know? Well, that's, a, that's the other thing is if I remember correctly, like reading some stuff about, because I did an article on, on like, Australia's defensive options for the World Cup. And I was doing some research into Harry Suter and what's his timeline going to be and this, that, and the other. And like Alex Neal, who's the Stoke City manager, he was getting asked a lot about Harry Suter in press conferences. Like everyone knows for Stoke as well, this guy's, you know, the, the you know, the, the biggest asset. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and that goal, I think I mentioned yesterday, I, that tackle, sorry, I celebrated that tackle more than Mitchell oh. Duke's goal. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, no. The, the, the raw. The watch party I was at, the raw, it was like, it was essentially like we had scored a goal because, because again, after Rolls Falcons himself, and it, it's a completely unintentional yeah. gaff. Like, you, you've got to actually feel quite sorry for him. You're, you're thinking that Tunisian players are out on the, out on the break. He's, he's, he's scored. Mm-hmm. And the just the ability to time the tackle, the ability to, to get the ball back at his feet after he after he's you know back back up on his feet. I mean, the, the whole thing is just incredible. Uh-huh. Can I can I just read you a small note from um, Harry Sutar's uh, Wikipedia, Christian? Oh, I've seen that one. <laughs> Go on. Because there's, I, there's I a few there's a few Socceroos players who've had yeah. their Wikipedia's edited overnight. Yes. Yes. Um, so um, against Tunisia in uh, November of 2022. Uh, Harry Sutar caused mass boners across the great southern land with one of the greatest sniping tackles God's green earth has ever seen. What's the um on Mitch Dukes? I'm pretty sure it says that his son is Tunisia. Um, yes. which, which yeah. and he was grown in the out he was grown in the outback by kangaroos. Uh, and a great <laughs> moment as well with him and his son, uh, which I think oh, is actually pretty cool. That was lovely. Yeah. Um as well. So the goal, the goal then. So Suter again, you know, with a with a perfect pass into into Duke, very direct uh, kind of option. But then, you know, we talked about that Duke touch was superb. I think it's really important that Riley McGree got the ball moving quickly, though. You have to get that ball out to Goodman as soon as possible. And then, look, we get lucky with the deflected cross, but you have to create your own luck, right? And and Australia, 
they, you know, Goodwin has actually become like one of the trusted guys in this team now suddenly. Like they, they give him the ball. They they want Craig Goodwin on the ball. They were using, Australia really wanted to use that left side in that opening, you know, 20 minutes or so. Um, and him and Bayich, I think, have a decent relationship down that side too and attacking in an attacking sense. And um, yeah, I mean, and then the finish is superb. Um, great limbs at the stadium as well. Yeah. From the Australian Can I just fans, say, so. that's just the history of Craig Goodwin, isn't it? Always doubt, maybe, maybe not. Then something happens mm. and he gains that trust and then he just becomes undeniable. You mm. know, you're in the periphery of the squad in the World Cup. You go and tell Graham Arnold, I want the penalty. You go and you score your penalty, you make it through. Graham Arnold's always going to select you. Then you have a boil injury that opens the door and you just you score a World Cup goal against the champions. You bang the door down. He, and he, then, his, his career progression and him yeah. as an individual, he speaks a lot about the Australian spirit from uh-huh. the perspective of, you know, he went to Rotterdam and it didn't work out, but he, he, never, he, he never gave up. Mm-hmm. And he's always been a player that, you know, and I obviously for you guys as South Australians, it is quite personal, but I have always loved Craig Well, Matt, Goodwin. to that to that point, I, I don't know about Antonis, but I'm I'm wondering if Craig Goodwin's another one who might be snapped up in the January window. I, like, it's not it's not well, too late for him to go back. 30s, like, he's in his thirties. Well, yeah. I, I think he's very settled in Adelaide, but if I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for Adelaide United if someone someone's really going to ask a good question. offer. Like, someone's mm. going to ask the question. Yeah, it's up to Craig if he wants to respond to it. He has had offers from overseas, and he decided to start to stay with United. But Matt mentioned Rotterdam, and that's a great example. But also, mm. even before that, Adelaide mm. United told him, we don't want you as a kid, you know? He had to go and play for Adelaide Croatia. He went to the NPL play for Oakley and was living paycheck to paycheck, not being able to afford to live working at KFC at the same time. Gets one chance, Melbourne Heart, first game against victory, best on ground. Always, always doubted, always underestimated. Gets the chance, bangs on the door, makes it undeniable. Exactly what Matt said, the South, the not South Australian spirit, but the Australian spirit of, you know what? No one rates me, but I'm going to go anyways. When we talk about Aussie DNA and we talk about Shush Ani with your Aussie DNA, in a tournament though, knowing qualifications I don't care about, in a tournament, that stuff can get you far. Mm. And if Craig Goodwin is not the perfect example of that, I don't know who is. Mm. Well, I think I think we cringe at the Aussie DNA stuff because it, it is actually true. I mean, Australia it, it, Australia prides itself on, you know, not giving up when it comes to, you know, sporting tournaments and and, and occasions and things like that. I think in, in football though, and Australian football, we're probably more of a Euro, European influenced fan base. So when we hear things like Aussie DNA, it's kind of like uh you know what's what's that sort of thing, right? But um, you know, it was definitely on display last night. Uh, I mean, Australia, although although I didn't I, I didn't like the approach in the final thirty minutes. I, I didn't like how deep Australia were and really just invited Tunisia to, to potentially get back in the game. You know that they, they scrapped and they and they you know did all they could to hold on and and you know they got Many they got the job done. Saves from Matt Ryan, it must be mentioned. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Matt Ryan, who I although. He couldn't do anything about the goals against France, but I just thought there was, I don't know, just some kind of doubts maybe about him because of his, you know, his club situation and all this sort of stuff, this, that, and the other. But he really responded, I think, with with Mm -hmm. that performance. I mean, he was superb. Uh And just one more thing about the Aussie DNA stuff. One last thing. We criticised Graham Arnold, and I'm far from his biggest fan. (laughs) The biggest positive for me about Graham Arnold this tournament was we actually went to the tournament with a guy that's been with us for four years, which yeah. was a big difference from last tournament. But one thing that is completely undeniable, forget about the way we play on the pitch, which again, I'm not a big fan of. He's got these people bought in. 
These mm. people are on that journey with them and it shows. And, you know, and for games like that, I get decided by the slightest margin when you are under pressure for 20 minutes, half an hour, and you have to hold it together. This stuff counts and we mm. saw it count. So regardless of what we do on the pitch, which again, up for debate, when you've got them sold on your plan like this, it makes a difference. Absolutely. I, I agree. I think he's got the respect of the playing group. And I think there's certain individuals that he's really close with. I mean, you talk Awan Mabil is one who's spoken very highly of how Arnie gave his debut. And I think Thomas Deng's also in the same boat, for example. So, you know, there's that. Um, I think there was a lot even, of unity during the Olympics as well, because a lot of these players yeah. were in the Olympics. Suta and Mitch Chuk was the same, one of yeah. the senior players in the team. And one lovely moment, I was somewhat sometime in the first half, something happened near our bench, maybe a tackle, maybe a mispossession. And you could see the replay, all the players get up and start applauding. Stuff like that's great. What was what was the stuff the with, with um with Mitch Duke and and the Hannibal guy who is oh, he's an idiot. alone at Birmingham from from Man U? Um yeah, what was going on there? How's that not a booking, by the way? Seriously. <laughs> I, I can't even remember. I, and I how's... No, he threw the ball at him. Yeah, yeah. And how's the ref making him shake hands like there's some year two students who had a bit of a scrap? Yeah. Um, no, but that stuff's great. Uh, I think, yeah, Australia just were, were really focused on their job last night and they got it done, um, which was just superb to see. Um, I think, though... Going into Denmark now, uh, I my main concern is have have Australia utilised all of their their energy and their because I mean you look at France is a bit different because you know they're naturally going to be able to you know manage a game probably better than Australia and and you know they can kind of you know how do I, how do I put it I think Australia were were very good in the first twenty five minutes but once it became clear that you know they were playing inferior opposition France would just just easily able to run over the top of them. But the, the thing about that game last night, which was slightly concerning, is it looked like Australia could only really press for one half um, yeah. and then they were kind of spent. And yeah. I don't know. And I know Denmark, if we're going in thinking we just need a point, maybe mm-hmm. pressing isn't going to be that important. But I do think there have to be moments where we do have to attack in that game. If we're going to go in there and, and play for a draw, I mean, we're going to lose, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what do we think? I, I just, so looking at the two I, games, I, yeah. I I don't think people understand how hungry Denmark are going to be, mm-hmm. for starters. They are coming off the back of, you know, Tunisia frustrating them for a point, and they're coming off the back of a very stale performance against France this morning. Um, in their dating back to 1986, Denmark have always won at least one game during the group stage of mm-hmm. a World Cup. They have never gone winless at a FIFA World Cup. But have they played um, Graham Arnold Socceroos, Matt Olson? This is this is this is where I'm at. Like it's it's there for the taking. They'll they'll know that they've had quite a frustrating campaign, and they'll see Australia as a very easy target. Mm. So all this talk about you know, round, you know, round of sixteen, holding on for a draw, it only takes a point. Don't get me wrong; we should absolutely buy into that hype. It would be sort of ridiculous if we didn't at this particular moment in time. But um, Denmark could easily give us a game where it all just washes away and we finish bottom of the group. <laughs> Honestly, um, absolutely, yeah. and we need to we need to be aware of that because mm-hmm. yeah, they they have, there's a lot of fire in the belly. Casper Hulman, unfortunately, he's he's he did his globe, um, sort of press conference for the global feed in Danish, not in English. 
So there wasn't a lot that I personally could take uh, from it. Um, even though I know, I, I do actually know some Danish here and there, but obviously like a fucking press conference, I'm not going to fucking, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, but he, you know, to, to the best of my understanding, what he said is that, you know, Australia are uh, not there for the taking. He wasn't that disrespectful, but he said that, that there's still the potential there. So people shouldn't be sleeping on us kind of thing. And um, that kind of tells me that there's a lot more fire in the belly from them, even though we're in a very fortuitous situation, there's there's a lot from their end that I'm looking at, and I still kind of like it, even though they've they've actually been quite shit throughout the tournament. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Can I just say one big thing about this is what I find very important is we don't care about the other game; it's meaningless. There's one thing that matters, and it's you against Denmark, and it's mm. all up to you. Mm. So we don't have to worry about what France or Tunisia and do. I, it's all up to you, mm. and you cannot show up expecting a draw because then you've already lost the mentality battle you go out there you expect to win Tam Arnold has had this mentality coach for a few years past with the motto expect to win done mm. done mm. done go out there and expect to win go out there and give Denmark a game because France did that Tunisia did that exactly. and if we're there for the taking guess what they're there for the taking too because mm. they're having the tournament the world expected us to have lose against France maybe get a point out of Tunisia why not go out to give them a game? Other teams have given them a game and I've gotten out of it. Give them a game. Well, I've also, I've yeah, also got yeah, egg on yeah. my face Antonio, by saying so that. I just um, wanted to say on, yeah. on that point, um, there, is also, there is also the angle of, of Arnie getting that approach wrong because we probably should have made it out of the group stage in the Olympics and didn't. So, I, yeah. you know, there, there is a, there is a, uh, um, unfortunately, a precedent there for Arnie not, not doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I that's think, what I'm saying. I think the thing about Arnie is that he gets in his own head when, when these sorts of situations present themselves and... My advice to him is, you know, just to not go into it and think about, you know, risk, like risk management and kind of like, you know, how, you know, how we're going to stop them. I think you need to show the players how we're going to score first for this game, because I like, seriously, it's it's really important because if you, if you show them only how we're going to stop their mark and this, that and the other, then, you know, which is very important. Of course, we need to know that, but, you know, you, you start to change your mentality and these players are going to think, you know, they, they're going to believe in themselves after Tunisia. But in particular, I think what this result has done is maybe made them think about the France game in a different way. Now, maybe they think about France and think, well, actually, you know, for 20, that 25 minutes was pretty good. And if we can do that for 50 against Denmark or something like that, then, you know, we can get a result. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, the mentality for sure. And if scoring we... is something that we do these days, isn't yeah, it? So... Yeah, well, this is just <laughs> well, what yeah. I was going to say. If, because, because the trend has been that we've taken a 1-0 lead, Take that one-year lead against Denmark. I mean, that is that is that is huge. That that mm. sets everything up right. So it, it, it you'd argue it almost has to be done. Um, but uh, I just want to say, from the perspective of the foreign press as well, they came out after the France game, and it was it was a lot about oh well, Australia is one of the weakest teams at the tournament, and they're they're down there with Costa Rica kind of thing. And I, I was watching a lot of content out of particularly England this morning. And it, the narrative has already completely flipped. Like Australia can make it out of the group. Look at them go. Look at, look well, at how I think, they've I think Australia there. has shown that they, they've actually, they can actually, they've got a sense of organization. Yeah. Uh, I think that's yeah. really important. Like you can it also, yeah. it's also flattered that, that France performance as well, because a lot of them were saying, well, were they really that bad against France? And, you know, I just find it, find it incredible that oh, so many people are getting yeah. behind us. I mean, that's, that's, the that's, beauty. Yeah. that's the beauty of the World Cup. One set of 90 minutes can have such a different effect. You see Argentina after the first game, 
before the first game. Yep, favourites. After the first game, are you even going to make it up the groups? Then that, they're sharp uh, against look, that's Mexico. That's just the of football media, though, yeah. right? Like, yeah. but no, it's not just football media. You got three games to make a count. You lose two games, you're done. So it's yeah. not just the nature of it. It's the reality. No, of it. that's true. Messi, yeah. Messi shows up against Mexico, and you know it's legacy defining. This is probably his last World Cup. Are you going to go out in the group stages losing to Saudi mm. and Mexico? So it's actually huge. So to be able to go out there and do that is a big, big credit. And, you know, you are in charge of your own narrative. You get to set it. And so far, we've done a good good job of setting it. Now it's time to continue writing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so in terms of, in terms of Denmark as well, so what's interesting, actually, going back on something you mentioned, Matt, around us taking the lead in both games. So Australia, I believe, if my maths is correct, have, have led for a total in this tournament for for the approximate amount of like a full game. Um, so when you consider like the, the 18 minutes against France and then the, what's that, pretty much 70 minutes um, last night. So, hmm. you know, it works out to about, yeah, you know, 88, 90 minutes. So um, that's that's like a stat which really flies off the page for, for me as well. Because if you, again, if you told me that we'd be leading for a total of, you know, 90 minutes over those first two games, that, you know, would have laughed in your face. Um, so there's, that as well, but also in terms of Denmark, I've also got egg in my face because I said they'd win the group. Um, so, so did I. <laughs> same. So yeah. did I. Like, I didn't. I didn't buy into any of this champions curse crap like Cody Ojeda. Um, <laughs> no, no, I didn't either. Um, I actually think no, France, no. France, France, France are probably looking like the best bet to break the curse at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, they're the only team with six points as well. <laughs> so so yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's very interesting. Um, let Let's get into. I mean, what this means in terms of the broader picture, because a lot of people were talking about this, and you just spoke about how the the foreign media is actually covering the soccerers at the moment. Yeah, I was, was going to say just just quickly, yeah. there was a, there was one English journalist who, out of nowhere, went on this massive rant about um, you know, Silver Lake, the the foreign investment group that mm-hmm. pumps all that money into the A League. Yes, and yes, he was talking about oh, the A League's back and the national Premier Leagues and this unity, and I'm like, mate, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even Aussie. <laughs> So this is so based, and and he's just he, like it's it's just twenty minutes of um Seb Stafford Blore is his name. He just goes on this massive rant about the A League, and I was like, this foreign press to be talking about this like this is really like mm. you really can change the game. You can change the narrative, and you know I, what I've what I found incredible is even like the Euro snobs in the Optus comments uh, section and, and things like that. They're nowhere to be found. Like the narrative is already changing, and you know that the the A League women's the, the opening opening uh, round of the A League women's had a, had a really good kick to start as well. The A League's in a better position with with you know crowds and this and that. So this campaign does go on mm-hmm. to be successful. The entire narrative and, and the game it feels like it's it's coming back. And you have to actually contextualize that I think it's 20 of the 26 players got their start in this league the Mm. guy that scored against the World Cup champions plays a few kilometers away from your house he's the (laughs) captain of his team you have to and you are here actively putting this league down maybe you're the problem you know you have to realize that oh they definitely are I mean (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, we know that but in their own heads you know you have to put the puzzle pieces together after a while. So to get that respect is huge and nothing, nothing, nothing is more unifying. Oh, we were talking about this before the podcast. It's not, and I'll make the AFL reference, it's not, oh, put Adelaide and the Adelaide Crows. This is your country. This is Australia. Even if you have moved here like me, 
This is the country that has given you everything for the last 12 years. That's the thing, though. The Socceroos. but supported. The Socceroos are the main driver because they are the team that unifies the country. So, you know, it's for them to be successful and to actually do something is, is going to have the most long-lasting effect. But I'd say this, you know, me and Turnus were there at the Sydney Derby. That was the landmark moment. A day before we had the even the game here, you know, Adelaide United Melbourne victory. There's been it's been years since Adelaide United victory got, you know, like a near sellout crowd. Uh, so, you know, that that was even like a big mm-hmm. moment. Um, you know, obviously look, we've got maybe and Matt, you can touch on this, like, you know, Perth Glory and the Brisbane Raw, for example, who are who are potentially, you know, I don't want to say letting the league down, <laughs> but you know, that they're, they're not in the best way uh in, in in that sense. But, you know, there are some moments that we're already seeing this season that you know, and you could maybe say, well, it's just because we had COVID and now like the league's getting back to its, you know, the normal that it had. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I do think that things are slightly different. What I would say is to say that it's definitely a resurgence is probably a little bit premature. That's all I'd say because, yeah. you know, you talk about your Euro snobs and stuff. Well, if we lose to Denmark, they're going to come straight back in the comments section yeah. um, straight away. And that's that's disappointing and and we hate it. But this is something that this is yeah. something that you highlighted. And, and I, I just want to give you this segue. I didn't didn't mean to interrupt, but I think it's, no, very it's important. Fine, yeah. um, because you were talking specifically about what Neil, uh, Neil Simons had to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just talking just about tweet, this, which, which this... I, which I thought was, um, you know, obviously, and I think Neil is is probably very similar to all of us, where we're just such passionate fans, and that passion comes out, right? Um, and uh, I thought I respect his opinion absolutely. I just thought that maybe, um, you know, such a such an occasion like that, did we have to get straight into that five minutes after the game? That was only my my, my only thing. Um, and just, I just wanted to enjoy yeah. the game. But I'll just yeah. go on from there. I think everyone reflects on things differently, you know, is my point. And, yeah. you know, someone who's as involved as us or maybe like as Neil in the last two years where this place, everything about football in Australia has just been dead, you know, something like that. You feel, you see people up and about and everything. And the biggest thing about this resurgence if i might say mm-hmm. is what we can't see yet what we don't know about yet it's the young jackson irvine you know they had this picture of him supporting the socceroos years and years ago mm-hmm. that's the stuff you can't see now that these years and i said it on my twitter mm-hmm. yesterday whoever decided to put this game in a time where it fits <laughs> mainstream australia perfectly is the real mvp of yesterday <laughs> because how many kids would stayed up to watch this lifetime memories people who are disengaged and thinking wow look at this we're actually there's something there it's something that you can't count and say yep resurgence or this much or that much but it's something that sits in your heart and you'll see the effect of that for years to come because guess Mm. what whatever happens in a couple of weeks your own league starts you can go see these games after that a few months after your own league you can play in starts. I want to play for a club, mom. I want to play for a club, dad. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, what's so Antonis, let's, think about, let's, let's think about where we are right now uh, here in SA. I mean, if Craig Goodwin, if the soccerers get out of this group, when Craig Goodwin comes back and plays for Adelaide United, like people are going to go to the game. Like I, yeah. I think that as yeah. well. Like, you know, they're going to idolize this guy. I mean, he already was kind of before in that last game he's against a, Victory, he's been was a already figure this. for many years yeah and I yeah. said we went to his um, presser Christian before the World Cup and yeah. I mentioned I was like somehow 
since the last year, it feels like you've even taken another step up mm. in how you're viewed. It's mm. crazy. And we in Adelaide idolized Eugene Galekovic when he got picked to be the Socceroos third choice keeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, be fair, to be fair, there probably is a bit of that with, with Sydney and Redmayne yeah. because of Redmayne's a real oh. role. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Oh, absolutely. No. But Redmayne was out there and saved that penalty. Eugene was just resting. Yeah, you know? he was just existing. He was having a good time. <laughs> Our captain our captain has just gone and scored one against the world champions and i don't care about what any stats say he assisted the winner yesterday so you know what it's huge and that's how i said it i'm a teacher this is how i said it to my kids i'm like a few kilometers away from your school a Socceroos playing week in, week out, mm. leading his club. He had a call-up to the Socceroos to go and travel on a Sunday, but on the Friday night, he played and played his heart out against his rival because he cares. If he cares that much, surely you can care a little bit, you know? Mm. And 10 minutes into that game, he did the most absurd tackle for a guy that was about to go on the play to the biggest tournament in his life. So... The care and the passion is there, and I feel like a moment like yesterday at such a good time can actually, if not ignite, spark something there for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Did you um? Did you see that Joey Lynch? Joey Lynch got those incredible scenes from Fed Square with the flares and everything, and he immediately he, yeah. he showed it to yeah. Jackson Irvine yeah. and then tweeted Jackson Irvine's like live reaction to yeah. it, right? Mm. Um, and and what was that all about? It was about you know I want to be I want to be in the heart of it. I'm so thankful that I can be part of a generation that's giving back, that's giving these fans a moment. And I know Jackson Irvine, like the most incredible guy on earth. He's he's you know he's very progressive and and a bit of an activist in in the political sense. He's just such a diehard nuffy for the history of the Socceroos. <laughs> he's a passionate football fan at heart. I mean, like, is there anything to dislike about Jackson Irvine? So he, here's what I love. But here's what I love, uh, Matt. Here's what I love about this yeah. team. Right, is we've got guys from like South Sudan refugees. We've got uh, Milos Dejanek and, and what he went through when he was younger. Mm-hmm. We've got the Scottish influence as well. So we've actually got, you know, you, you think back and it, and it always, you know, makes me uh, tear up a little bit because of, because of even my own uh, background and Antonis could probably speak yeah. to this a little bit as well is, is like that Antipostacogli speech that he makes in, in uh, to the, to the team in the Confederations Cup, which was on that Football Belongs documentary. But what's interesting is that, that thing that he's talking about, that really embodies this team right now. But then to see that, and know that this team has come from all these different backgrounds and then see the scenes in Fed Square, it's just kind of like unbelievable. Like it just kind of works so perfectly together, right? It's just this perfect moment. And I think to to back on what you were saying about uh, Neil Simon's tweet and stuff, where where I think I think he might have been in uh, Fed Square as well when, when he tweeted that and stuff. So you can understand the emotions are really high. I think he was I, at by the way, Ultra. Yeah, by the way, I agree with most of what he said. Um, just, just, just to point that out. Um, you yeah, know, I'm not, not disagreeing with him at all. Uh, what I would say is that the, the Fed Square thing and, and and the reactions of the goal and the flares and stuff like that, like that is really just completely elevated, in my opinion, the the whole feeling and the reaction around this. Like if it had been just everyone's kind of going to pubs and stuff like that, it's, you know, whatever. But to, for everyone to be like literally thousands of fans in that one spot and the reaction, oh my God, like the reaction of the goal. Like I've never <laughs> I've never seen limbs like that in Australia. Like, that is absolutely crazy. No. Can I just put that back into the context? It's just three points against a North African side and we are losing our mm. mind like this. Could you imagine? Like, no, 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 but hold on, but hold on, but hold on. I know, hold on. I know. We've got the 12 years, but at the end of the day, it's just the three points. 
Could you imagine? I'm, I'm selling this in a positive light. Yeah, Could yeah. you imagine? We go against Denmark, get a result. We enter a round of 16 game. Yeah. The difference that mm. can make. Absolutely. You know, we have been so starved that we are so ready to jump on. But you know the like other this. thing. You know the other that, thing. Just sorry, let me just finish yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Something like that is infectious. You know, that's going back to Neil's thing. Seeing something like that. It's undeniable. And you see, this mainstream media has to report it positively because the minute you touch on it negatively, yeah, you're going yeah. to be absolutely destroyed. And yeah. I think I saw the advertiser in the morning that put something up. The worst they had is Socceroos winning this atrocity of a Guernsey. And I yeah. think I commented, is this the worst you've got? <laughs> so well. And I think that's been deleted since. Yeah. So we, it's just become undeniable. Like Ange was saying, don't talk about the AFL player that did something stupid, the NRL player that did something stupid. You talk about us because we cannot be denied. And we cannot be denied after winning closely against Tunisia. Can you only imagine? That's, no, what that, that's the thing, right? So, look, we're all very knowledgeable. We all do our research. We know about, you know, the, the background of Australian football and, and you know, the, the, the issues we have and this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. But do you think any standard, you know, AFL fan or, or European football fan, like knows or even cares no they don't so what the thing is is what i'm trying to get at is if they see australia go the round of 16 they're not gonna think oh but you know you guys let off flares again no they don't care like they're just gonna jump on and start you know getting behind it right so that that's the thing which is so important here um as well and by the way in terms of the mainstream coverage like i, I have to agree like i have not seen anything negative like even no one said anything about like you know, all oh, the flares that were lit at Fed Square from the goal. Like, no one cares. Like, you know, it's it's mm. which has just been so pleasing to see. Like, everyone's just embracing it. Yeah, but, but um, just like, just yeah. as Antonis's point, I just want to counter this very quickly. I think when when you say that we shouldn't be reacting like that specifically, no, no, to no, the, didn't say that. Didn't say that. Okay, I'm just okay, saying but, it was just an amazing reaction. Can you only yeah. imagine? I've, I reacted that, that, that way. That it would, that it would be <laughs> heightened. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But but I think. I think what what you have to understand is that I think it's not as much of a really big celebration against uh, what the win was because we know that Tunisia have been quite un un ineffective. They only qualified because of a, a terrible own goal that Mali scored. All, the, all these kinds of things. Look, I get it. I get it. Trust me. I was the one that was sitting there watching African qualifying. I, I get it from that perspective. But, uh, you, you know, the thing for me is I think the result is actually irrelevant in that respect. We can look at the scenes at Fed Square and go, look at our game. Look at what it's becoming. Yeah, that's look true. at its resurgence yeah. that's coming back. And that actually has very little to do with what happened on the pitch as much as it does with us being really happy that our game is is, is going somewhere again. And then for the first time in many years, we can feel positive about it. You know mm. what I mean? So that mm. that's um, it's not mutually exclusive. Uh -huh. And but, I think yeah. it's so huge with these moments, having a good experience. I remember in 20, after the 2015-16 season with Adelaide United to win the championship, 50,000 people have a great experience. Round one, you come back again. Round two, you come back against the Wanderers at home. Absolutely sold out. You mm. absolutely, you know, what the bed. Mm. People don't return <laughs> after that. So for so many people to go up at such a friendly time, Fed Square, pub this, pub that, people scattering like this, and not just be there, enjoy it and win and leave with them saying, you know what? I love this. Yeah. That is the biggest thing because that's what gives you a second and a third and a millionth experience for the rest of your life. That hooks you, you know, and you can't be unhooked easily as much as you want it after. Mm. And I think um, I saw I saw a tweet actually uh, this morning. I think it was I think his name's Joseph Esposito. I think his name is, and he was yeah. talking about 
um, them actually having like a fifteen thousand like live site outside the Opera House for the for the game on Thursday. I mean that that's a bummer that the game is like obviously not for Matt because he lives in dinosaur time, but um, you know for <laughs> for uh, for us like me and Antonis and the Eastern Seaboard, like it's going to be one thirty two a.m. on Thursday. But I mean, surely. I think people aren't going to care. Like, you yeah, know, that, yeah, don't care, don't care. And you know what? Any premier that doesn't go out of his way to set up something, to paraphrase John Hawke, is a bum. Seriously, oh, no. you need to oh, go. Oh, Antonis, you've just got his name wrong. Oh, Bob Hawke. Yeah, that's all right. Did I call him Bob? No, you call him John. John. It's, it's all right. It's all I, right. I, said, I swear I said Bob. We need to it's review right. it. But Bob was in my head anyways. You need to go, you need to do something. The interest is there. You need to actually set up something wherever it is here in Adelaide, Telstra Plaza, outside Adelaide Oval. Close, put those bollards up, play it on there, let people sit on the road, bring food trucks, bring everything. Make this an event because this will be historical. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's anything else really to to go into unless I'm unless I've missed anything. Don't know. No, uh-huh. kind of, I think I think there was no particular sort of rhythm with what we were saying. But, oh no, there isn't. There never <laughs> is. But I, I don't, I don't think um, you know we we exactly did a bad job at, at discussing. This. Can I just <laughs> add one thing? One of my favorite moments was, or well, it was in hindsight, it is because during the moment it was tragic that McLaren cross to oh. the lakey near miss. My favorite oh, yeah. thing was Harry kills Gary Neville like reaction. <laughs> And then Fahid Ben Kafala just laughing at him. <laughs> I'll tell you Did, what, Fahid, Fahid was actually very, very good. Um, he was very, uh, I'm not really sure how to put it. Uh, I guess you could say like a uh, sort of, sort of uh, bipartisan in, in a way. Like he, mm. he actually was almost happier to see Australia win than, than Tunisia, to yeah. be honest. Was, um, by but, the way, Fahid and Harry Kiel, Am I yeah. wrong in saying that they play together at victory? Maybe for a season. I, I'm not no, too sure. I think, I think he came in just after. I think that. maybe Fahid came after. Yeah, Harry yeah. left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just quickly, 1.03 million viewers watched the Socceroos versus Tunisia clash yesterday, according to TV Insider, according wow. to Val Migliaccio. But to be fair, the kickoff huge. time, kickoff yeah. time was huge for that, especially in WA. Number one on TV this week. Yep. Easily, mm. easily, and I, I, I might as well mention it. I know it's it's a bit, bit of a bit of a weird angle to go from, but um, Australia had a really big sporting achievement this week with our Davis Cup team making their first final in 20 years, and the fact that that has been completely overshadowed, if mm. not barely even mentioned by the sporting media, the Socceroos have just completely dwarfed. Socceroos like, are the no, talk no of the town, cares. like they're the talk yeah. of the town. That's it. Yeah, it's, so. it's funny because we had like probably the most controversial state election yesterday too, with yeah. the guy <laughs> that people were just absolutely destroying throughout the last couple of years, and he won quite comfortably, and yeah. no one cared because no the Socceroos are there, and that's the main event. I was saying it to you guys off air, but I, I chucked on Sunrise this morning because I wanted to see what the reaction was, and I'm I'm usually you know tuning into Sunrise when I wake up in the morning, and first thing. On the news bulletin, on the news bulletin, not sport, news bulletin, before Dan Andrews was the Socceroos, uh, which was a massive moment, I think, as well. And you have to just realise, just, and I think because those news bulletins are there attracted to interest, when you see how many people care about this, you become undeniable. And that's, I think, back to what Andrew was saying. You put yourself in the position that they've got no choice but to give you the applause, it's your respect. And this is what we're mm. doing. And we did that in the second game. This can be 
massive. Oh, yeah. The, the nerves going into that 10 mark game are going to be uh, like ridiculous. But also the other thing, like interesting as well, you know, I, sp- I spoke about the this, this squad and how I think I mentioned on, on the World Cup podcast that we did when we did a preview for the France game and just kind of previewing the tournament for soccer as well. And I said that, look at all these players, like, you know, Harry Suter might get a move to the Premier League after this. Like, also, like this squad in for 2026 even should be in a better place than what it is mm. even now. So that gives you optimism. Even stuff like, you know, Patrick Isnorbo becoming the first Australian to coach in a top five European league. Now, you can say yeah. that, uh, you know, City Football Group and, and Melbourne City and Twy have got a relationship and that's kind of why he got the job. Well, I don't really care if you can say well, that. I, I'm sorry, but with the likes of, with the likes of, Ange being in the Champions League mm. and now, you know, Paddy being where he's been. That's also uncharted territory for yeah. Australian managers. That is yet another aspect where the game is And who going knows if Kevin Musket could get a job in Europe um, based mm-hmm. on based on his success as he well, which going, by the way... To, to Rangers, yeah. yeah, That's right, and which by the way, what? I know yeah. some people will say that's kind of, oh, well, he's, you know, taken over Ange's team. So I don't really think so. I think he's kind of also now put his own kind of spin on it and, and they've won the title. So... Um, look, it's from that perspective, I think, you know, I think we're very critical about our, our football development and stuff like that because we literally care about it so much and we mm-hmm. want we want it to be so good that sometimes maybe we we forget that, you know, there are good things happening, number one, yeah. but also just, just be patient. Just be a and, little bit patient and wait and see what happens, you know? And you can see that example in the Asian countries, how it's working out for them. You see Japan, it's had this proper football pyramid for a while and it's working out for them. Look at the lineup. They had half their team against Germany is actually playing in Germany. Yeah. The only players from its actual league that were playing were the veteran players who are actually very useful, but only it's veterans. Mm. Us, we're not at this stage yet. That's why it's so important that we keep building to it. Our hero from yesterday plays in the second league of Japan, which Japan doesn't have a player from. So for us to be matching those achievements on the world stage without those resources is massive. Can you only imagine what will happen once we actually sort out our own yard? This is why it's so important that this next year of Australian football, we are hosting a World Cup. We are planning for a second division in here can be huge, huge, huge for our future, let alone what's going to happen on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, that, that's actually a really good point because because come 2026, right, not only could we have a lineup that looks a lot more impressive from where the players are playing, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, who knows what the management situation is going to be like, but we could also have a domestic structure that's that's even better and and, yeah. and has gone to places that are unprecedented in that regard as well. So imagine imagine what that does for for the entire Australian game heading into heading into that tournament and arguably also you know Qatar twenty twenty four Asian Cup as well. Um, we were setting up for a pretty good stead there as well. In fact, the entire the entire continent is Saudi getting mm. wins, Japan getting wins, Korea looking okay in Group H. Qatar doing something? No, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they are doing something. They're hosting these awesome <laughs> moments for the confederation. Yeah, I know. Um, well, at least Qatar. By the way, at least Qatar have got the stadium still after this. So you know that's going to be, I guess, good for maybe their their local league. But yeah, yeah. I guess we'll yeah, wait no, and see. Yeah. Iran as well. I forgot to mention Iran, but Iran's a bit of an anomaly at the moment. For oh, random tangent. That was an awesome win uh, by them oh. watching that and, and what that meant for them as a country um, as well. Yeah. So And shame on Jürgen Klinsmann. I don't know if you've seen his comments. They're basically bordering on racist. And Carlos Quiroz has absolutely gone to town on his I, I did see something from Quiroz this morning, but I had no idea about the Klinsmann stuff. Basically saying that the... Um, Iranian players were influencing the ref and that's part of their culture and things. It was just ugly. 
Yeah, yeah no. Robbie good. Savage as well. Robbie Savage went out and said that Wales will whack him. Just blatant disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. No, I don't Wales know. They say if they haven't figured out not to disrespect the AFC yet, I don't know what they'll need. This gives me so much pride. And uh-huh. I'll tell you what, I, I, I'm not, I don't mean this in any serious way, but I might as well mention it because there's potential there. Um, Saudi Arabia and Australia both failed to make the semifinals of the 2019 Asian Cup. Mm. That could potentially be a round of 16 World Cup matchup. I know. I know. Um, and I, for one was, in football. I, for one, was fuming because I didn't look, I didn't like the on appointment at first. And then I look, I, I'll openly admit it. I, I thought, you know, we, we should make changes after that 2019 Asian Cup. And, you know, because because I just thought we were so poor in that tournament. When you actually look back at it, if I remember the round of 16, we won on penalties against Uzbekistan. against Uzbekistan. And it was really average. And even the game which we won in the group, or well, one of the, the the last game against Syria, which was really unconvincing 3-2. But anyway, yeah. just going on tangents now. But uh, it's interesting to, to go back how many times in this Arnold kind of cycle where we've gone, oh, my God, like this this team is so bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so incoherent. But again, I mean, yeah, I, again yeah. like I we said at the start, our team is not bad. It's about how you deploy them. And as much as I've got a problem with what we do on the pitch, mentally he's got the but i think antonis i think what this world cup is proving and i think we see it at every world cup though as well in my opinion but i think now in particular with with football with you know how how accessible tactics are for for coaches and and data is and this that and the other is that if you can get a team to play a certain way and to buy into what you're doing no matter which coach you are no matter what standard of players you have you can do something like even even like you know costa rica okay they played a pretty good spain team but you know the reason why they look so bad is because like they just didn't have any sense of cohesion at all. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Always Qatar probably as well. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. We are well organized. I'll give us that. But, you yeah. know, I feel like we can be so much better than that. That's Absolutely. why I am critical. And like I said, he's got them bought in and it's getting us some great results. But I want to be better. I want to win better. I want us to be better. And I think we can be better. That's what I'm after. And, you know, mm-hmm. let's see how we go. Let's okay. see. Denmark is going to be the, the make or break it game. And uh, yeah, as I said, the nerves going into that are going to be crazy. Um, and it's just so much riding on it. Um, as we've touched on, not just for the Socceroos and, and, and a results point of view, but what it could do for for the sport in this country is is absolutely huge. So yeah, I think I think that's going to do us for, for this reaction podcast. Uh, great for you guys to come on on a Sunday morning. Um, well done, well done for that, and uh, great for my voice to hold up. Aussie uh, DNA, mate. That's Aussie. That's, that's Aussie DNA right there. Absolutely, and my voice has held up very, very well. Uh, okay, any any closing remarks, Antonis? Bring on Denmark. Bring and on Denmark. Premiers, premiers, set up something. I just tweeted Peter Molinowskis. <laughs> Peter, set Peter Molinowskis. The South Australian <laughs> contingent of front page football is calling out to you right now. Tweet them. Tweet them. Oh, Look, I, I just I don't want to play on much of a cliche here, but there's Have you no got a fear, message from Mark so... McGowan. <laughs> hey? Have you got a message from Mark McGowan? Um I think if anything, he's more wrapped up on the women's football side to so who have bigger things yeah. planned for the Women's World Cup, to be honest. But anyway, look, I, 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 all I'll say is from, from a grey model perspective, from a soccerist perspective, there's nothing to lose. Just just go out and give it your all. Denmark are going to be hungry. They're going to give it their best. That doesn't mean that, that we're completely going to be you know, taken out of the equation because um, we have something up our sleeve as well. So just go out there, seize the moment, take it, and let's get into the round of 16.
Absolutely. Um, okay, so we'll be back on this podcast to react to that Denmark game, hopefully continuing our buoyant mood. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty fucking depressing podcast. Um, and obviously, you can catch our World Cup podcast as well with with Jeremy too and uh, keep, keep reading our content on frontpagefootball.net and checking our socials because definitely in this period, it's, uh, it's very important. So uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us and you can listen to us in the next one soon. Thank you.